Welcome to Adaptation, the podcast for in-depth discussion on books and their film adaptations. This is our second episode uh, for December 20th, 2011, where we are going to discuss Hugo the movie. I am Kendall Bryant. I'm Jessica Dick. And I'm Corey Brooks. This is Corey's first time on, um, on our podcast. Can you tell us something about yourself? Uh, I'm from Vermont. I'm a course mate of theirs at Kingston University, studying publishing, and I have a very disturbing obsession with shoes. But other than that... That was amazing. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Shoe obsessions, that's what we're all about here. Um, Alright, well, without any further ado, let's talk about um, Hugo the Movie, which we just saw today. In 3D. In 3D, that's right. can't forget about that one. What was everybody's first, like, kind of coming out of the theater? What was, Jess, what was your first thought? I felt really happy. (laughs) And that's how you know it's a good kids movie, too, is you come out of the theater and suddenly you just can't stop smiling. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, I know people would start to look at me weird if I started skipping, but I nearly felt that. Compelled to? Well, I know that I cried. Corey, did you cry? I cried. I cried happy (laughs) tears. (laughs) I was so happy for him. I know. Ben Kingsley called me a wizard. I lost it. That was pretty great. I was like, oh, this happened. Um, uh, Corey did not read the book, so we kind of have some fresh eyes. It's really hard to try and talk about this um, separate from the, uh, the separate book. from the book. But so, what was your overall impression of the movie? I think I mean it started out a little slow, so that that got me because I wasn't quite certain what was going on for the first twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, that kind of threw me. But after that, it got really good. It was really childlike. I did like that. Yeah. I, I don't often go see children's movies, but this was one worth going to see. The 3D was really cool. Yeah. I just, like, I I had to actually physically hold my hands down through most of it, because I was wanting to, like, bat at the snowflakes and poke the guy in the face that when he was leaning close to the screen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love how that's your first impulse, to poke a guy in the face. He <laughs> got really, really close. I just wanted to go, poke. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a really great film, and I, I mean, I want to read the book now. It made me want to read the book. It's cool. Yeah, um, I, I know what you're saying about the first, the first kind of twenty minutes of being. I could understand like when you don't know, go in knowing the, um, the storyline already. That that could be. I remember thinking, I don't think there's been any dialogue for like ten minutes just now. <laughs> yes. I thought yeah. the exact same thing. It was, yeah. It didn't need the dialogue to move it along, but it did. You sort of feel like in movies, dialogue does fill in those gaps. Yeah. yeah. They definitely used, I think, the dialogue in good ways. Um, like some of, uh, trying not to get into the book, but some of the changes they made, I could tell immediately was because they needed to tell us something yeah. that a narrator would normally tell us, and so they used the dialogue really well. Yeah, I, I don't know, did in the, I, as far as not knowing what was going on for, for a while, I think that that was true of the book, too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. Well, it's good, I don't feel so lost in <laughs> And there was, I, I could tell what parts were for the kids, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm saying. So, the, the first chase scene with the station ex- inspector <laughs> that was, was like bumping epic. into everybody yeah yeah i was like this is so ridiculous it could only be for children kind of thing <laughs> yes i love the dog i'm the sorry dog. the dog is just hilarious it just i think just like it looks at him during this thing they're just like just like nope not helping <laughs> <laughs> i love that there's something about like that kind of device in anything where a person or animal just stares where you're like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why it's so funny, but it is. <laughs> and oh, I was going to say something else. Oh, the just other little like childlike things. When they get the box out of the arm, oh, of the and, armoire, it, and it literally, the paper, like, you would think it would happen, like, explodes and everything's yeah. flying around. And, and I was like... They were motion, moving in midair. And, and they were turning in the colors. Uh-huh. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was really... I really it was like you really that. needed the suspension of disbelief. Because my adult side was like, that's Me too. so silly. It wouldn't do that. It would just fall. Yeah. But then, like, I, and then, saw, uh, I had to see it as, in, as a kid, and it was amazing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, well, and it's funny because as soon as the adults walk into the room, all of them fall to the ground. <laughs> I was like, so there's so, there was a suspension of disbelief, but also there was such a, like, childlike, like, wonder about all of it. And then as <laughs> soon as, like, other people came in, it was, it stopped. Yeah. Which was cool. You said that you liked the 3D, both of you? I'm not usually a fan of 3D. Like, right. it, it gives me a headache. Yeah. Like, you know. At the risk of sounding like a wimp, but I thought this movie did it really well. I think the one that really pops into my mind is when they were talking about the first, the very first movie was train coming into platform, and they showed the film clip, and you know, and yeah. it showed um, old time theater where, where everyone reacted, like everyone recoiled away from mm-hmm. the image of the train on screen. Well. In 3D, it actually happened. Like, you had that image of the train coming right at you, and it looks so real that, mm-hmm. it, I don't know, it just really just showed an amazing prowess with what we're able to do now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, of course, 3D makes me, me have a headache. And, I mean, it's also, you know, with glasses. Yes. Because putting the sunglasses too. over the glasses is little difficult and sometimes incredibly uncomfortable and really really hard when you need to wipe your eyes when you're crying I'm just saying <laughs> yes. it makes it even more hard but I mean I think that you know it, it had its purpose there mm-hmm. I mean it wasn't as actiony as most like I would think of 3d movie when things like are exploding off the screen that's a little much mm-hmm. yeah. but I mean this this served its purpose to make you feel like you were in the story and it wasn't like you literally like jumping back in your seat every five seconds and not being able to watch the movie because you can't even focus on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think that was a really good use of 3D. I thought it was an artistic use of 3D. Like it didn't need the explosions and stuff. It was like these little subtle touches that literally made it pop. Oh yeah. I think strangely, my favorite part that was in 3D was the toy booth when they show him sitting at it and it's just like the toys and stuff the bench and everything is, like, popping out, and he's, like, in the background. Mm-hmm. I think that was the part that I really, um, like, was like, oh, it looks so good. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm kind of the same way, where it's, like, I gives me a headache. I wear glasses, too, so mm-hmm. that's a problem. And I always thought maybe it gives me a headache, because it can't, like, I can't get the glasses close enough to my eyes to make them work correctly, oh. because I'm already wearing glasses. But, um, it takes me a while when I watch it, like... And it took me a while with this, too, where for the first, like, ten minutes of a movie, it it's almost a distraction to me. Oh, yeah. And it, which is strange, because it's supposed to be, like, this is how things look, but it's not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just too used to 2D movies, but... Maybe. Although, I mean, they, they did have us... I mean, you hadn't gotten there yet, but they did have us put our 3D glasses on pretty early. Right. And then they had a lot of 2D stuff going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was like, it, it was it was weird. Maybe they were trying to get us our eyes to adjust to it, but Before it actually see. hurt more trying to look through those glasses and it gave me a stomach ache because I was mm-hmm. like, my, my brain was trying to transition so fast that it was just throwing all weird signals. But yeah. I mean, I guess that would be a good thing, but if they were going to 
have you put it on that early. You think that they would have the previews in 3D, but whatever. Sorry, uh, that was off top. Off that's topic. okay. That's okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, <laughs> that's just 3D discussion in general. I like it. No. Um, <laughs> When I went, when I looked up the movie times and I saw that it was, I didn't even know it was in 3D until I looked up the movie times and I saw, oh, like 2D and 3D. Yeah. And I, I am glad that we saw it in 3D because I, I kind of would have, under normal circumstances, been like, I don't want to pay for it. But yeah, I think that I, when I saw that it was in 3D, I was kind of thinking, kind of along the lines of what you were saying about how it's not really actiony. I knew it wasn't going to be actiony, so it didn't seem like the right type of movie. But artistically, it was. Yeah, it did. It really did. There was just one thing that I wanted to mention um, about just the movie. uh, Was that they took... The movie took a lot more liberties with the George Millay history than the book did. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was, like, watching being like, that's... They... they, mm." (laughs) (laughs) Like, the... That was his second wife. That's in the that's in the book or in the story, I should say, mm-hmm. and um and they like made it out like they've been together forever, but that's not true. I was just like watching, going, okay, well I get it. It was kind of like they were trying to get more of Helen McCrory in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> by being like, oh, um, yeah, no, let's put her in, and uh, so that they can uh, we can get her more screen time. And but it was really the those parts of it were really cool. Yeah. Like when they were recapping, yeah, recapping. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the one scene with the um the mermaids and they had like the fish yeah. cast it. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so cool. And for a second, I almost believed that I was looking at like original footage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the things that was really well done. Is I I have never seen a movie by George Millais, but all of those film clips that they showed, I mm-hmm. couldn't tell if they were real or not. Like, mm-hmm. at the very least, if they weren't real, they did a good job of acting like it, because they all looked... Definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, I think when he he did his recap, they were they were staged, and then at the end, when they were showing them, those were real. Kind of cool. Yeah. There was definitely some real film clips in there, which was really cool. They did such a good job making it look really beautiful, but really, um, I want to say historically accurate, but, like, it looked old-timey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when you were in a scene that was from that was just filmed, but they like recreated that kind of what they would have had at the time really yeah. well. I think oh, it was really really beautiful. I feel like most of the visuals in it were just really beautiful. I I also I mean like because I know I mean historically a lot of things weren't that bright. Mm-hmm. Those those bright new shiny colors, which I thought that, that worked perfectly for this movie. It was a lot more appealing for children mm-hmm. because they're they're not going to want to watch a movie about that time period that's all dull and gray. And it's so the color, yeah, yeah, the colors made it really great. Mm-hmm. So and there was a definite throughout the entire movie, there was a definite like color scheme, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell that everything was carefully done to like so that you could look at an image with none of the actors in it. I feel like and know what movie it was from mm-hmm. in a sense because all of the they, it wasn't like they were using a filter, but it was it was like they just had constructed everything so perfectly, like all the colors to kind of bring you in. And it was actually I think a lot of the colors from the book cover I felt like it was yeah, a lot the primary of colors. One of the things I I found really impressive in talking a little bit about color was they even mentioned in the movie how in these old reels 
when the kids were like, oh my gosh, this it's movie is in color. color. And she's like, yeah, we, we hand-painted those. And that's where they brought in some of the history. And yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That was one thing that, one stride that he made. So in those subtle little things, they showed what he actually did for film. Right. You know, like the color, and they showed the stop motion, and they mm-hmm. showed, like, um, when they had the actors on, the, on set freeze, and then they just took the skeletons out of there, and then yeah, he, it showed them pasting that um, together, film yes. reel together. Like, it showed just what he did. Mm-hmm without having to explain it. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, and not to, well, because you were saying about the colors with the movies and stuff, um, and making it kind of appealing to children. I, when I was reading about him, really all of the sets and um, ma- even makeup on the actors and everything, they would do it all in grayscale, because if you put color and then you're filming in black and white, you never know exactly how it's going to come out looking. So they just did everything in a grayscale color. Um, like, historically, that would be correct. But, like, I like that they actually used the colors and, and like you said, to make it more appealing to children. Yeah. I just feel like you kind of come out of it from, hopefully, from a kid's point of view coming coming out of it, it kind of, it did a really good job of bringing that kind of magic home and and introducing children to this different kind of like how magical movies really yeah. are yeah kind of and explaining it to them in a way that's it's on their level i guess mm-hmm. that they can understand yeah because you're seeing it through a child's point of view mm-hmm. you want to talk about i mean we kind of have been talking about our favorite things but I wanted to talk about Isabel <laughs> because I loved her so much. <laughs> She's such a precocious little girl. It just made me so happy. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yes. <laughs> and she, oh my gosh, she quoted Christina Rossetti, <laughs> and which for, to have a child quote Christina Rossetti, I think is really amusing. She talks about Heathcliff and um, what other characters. Oh, when they go into the walls and she goes, I feel just like Jean Valjean. <laughs> I, was, I, I just laughed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was she uh, favorite. <laughs> I feel that we're going to be clandestine. <laughs> yes. Just like all of these big words. That's one thing I really liked about it. She would like throw out these big words and then the camera would cut to, to Hugo. Hugo. I just and he'd be super confused. He's like, yes. what did you just say? Exactly. You can see how his face is perfect. I wanted to say price. It was priceless and perfect. Yes. He looks in his eyes and he's just like, yes. Whatever. And then, yeah. Oh, she was just fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that acting-wise, both the kids were really good. They were really good. Yeah. Ah. Um, uh, Hugo and his skinny little legs walking around. <laughs> Every time he got a shot of those skinny legs, I was like, oh my god, this child is... I don't know. Uh, my first thought was, what the f*** is he wearing? Oh, excuse me, my, my leg. What the heck is he wearing shorts in the winter for? Really? In yeah. Paris? <laughs> he didn't have anything else. Not his fault. I know, but still. I was just thinking, like, his dad died in the winter. Why didn't he have pants? clock shop. Why didn't he grab clothes when he left? Because all he grabbed was the automaton. Yeah, I know. Which, granted, was cool, but he could have packed a bag, too. (laughs) Logic people. He is 12. He doesn't have to have logic. (laughs) 
poor Hugo. I just want to hug him. I don't know. But he did, I, but as far as the actor, so he did a really good job. I mean, he had to cry and, yeah. like, be really, there was a really a lot of emotional stuff that mm-hmm. he had to do in this. Yeah. I think one of my favorite parts, acting-wise, for him was right after the, right after the automaton stopped working the oh. first time. Yes. You know, when, when Isabel's there. So, like, they had just heard it, and it started to draw gibberish, and he just loses it. Yeah. And he just collapsed in that chair and started, oh, my oh gosh. God. That was, oh, that and so um, at the end when he, the station inspector has him, and he's like, you don't understand, but you should, and, like, like yeah. trying to, like, convince him. Oh, so good. I was just, I was really impressed. I'm going to keep an eye on that actor. He's good. Mm-hmm. Mordred did me proud. <laughs> oh, Mordred. <laughs> Mordred. Thank God we have something where we can actually like him. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Are you, you don't watch Merlin? No, I don't. Okay. I don't watch a whole lot of BBC. Isn't he, <laughs> the, that kid is in Merlin. He plays Mordred. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, his eyes creeped me out there for a little while. They were really blue. Whoa! Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, they were just like, took up half his face. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, eyes for days. Eyes for days. Well, and it took me a little while to get used to that. It's it's very, very rare to have eyes that blue and that light with hair that dark. So that's why it's really like. Actually, they highlight it. I don't know. See, that's what I'm wondering if, like, they, maybe they, they did up the color in his eyes to make it more well, interesting. Well, he looked that way as Mordred. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean he, I've seen him. That's why I fell in love too. with him as Mordred. Because <laughs> he had some blue had those eyes. Remind me, to show, remind me to show you a picture of my brother. Oh, okay. anyway. Well, well maybe mm. not. But, <laughs> yeah, no, all my brothers have bright blue eyes, and they have brown hair, so. I don't know. Yeah, but That's I mean, British that, that guy's hair was black, I mean, practically. I mean, I don't know. maybe. It was okay. just really dark brown. Anyways. <laughs> so um, debating his yeah. hair color. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. What station else? Master. Oh, the station oh is please, master. let's talk oh, about the station <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen. How talk I about, do love you. Talk about shades of gray, though. Like, right in all the trailers, you think he's going to be the bad guy, but yeah, no. I thought he was going to be very like comical and yet the one that you're rooting against. Right. I kind of saw him as a little bit funnier version of um, Don Lamb for Veronica Mars. Okay, that's what I thought he was going to be. But right. then you get the shades of gray in there, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I felt really. I don't know, I just felt so bad for him when he goes over. He finally gets up the courage to talk to that lady with the flowers. And he squeaks, and he feels so bad. And I'm just like, it's okay, honey, it's okay. I still love you. Let me just say, I was looking at that mechanical leg the entire movie, just saying, Jess. Hugo. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) You fix things. Please fix him. (laughs) And then it happened at the end. Because the movie, I mean, the movie, yeah. it's about, the story, I should say, is about machinery. Yeah. And fixing it. And even when you're talking about something mm-hmm. else, they're still, like, theme-wise talking about mm-hmm. it in a metaphor of his machinery. Yeah. Like, people being broken and stuff like that. And so, oh, that, without doing comparison too much just yet, it, like, because he, that was not in the book. They, 
they mm-hmm. added that like thing with his leg on and I felt the same way as soon as I saw it. it I was, was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh, he has something mechanical on him. <laughs> this is going to be great. Yeah. And suddenly by adding, oddly enough, by adding that little piece of machinery to his like, it made like somewhat of a one-dimensional character from the book into more more human. Yeah. Like machine makes you more human at that point. Which mm-hmm. is so weird. Or fixing the broken part. Really? So that, yeah. yeah. So that his, his, True colors can shine through because it was all he was so focused he was, on his he was broken really, portion yeah. that he wasn't feeling anything else. When yeah. he yeah, when he went to talk to her and it and it like it held up like the not the first time he tried but the one he actually went over and he was smelling the flowers and it and it stuck and, it, and well, he up, immediately yeah. stands up and goes, "I was injured in the war. It will never heal. Good night." Like. I was just like, oh, he's so, he can't get over it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I was so happy. But then, I mean, like, she, she, like, reaches out to him. So mm-hmm. that's just, that was yeah. beautiful. I was just like, I was just like, oh, my God. Yes! <laughs> and I really enjoyed that we got, not just with him, but we got more, we got all of the in, the stories in the station. Mm-hmm. Like, those, like, subplots, kind of. Oh, yeah. With like, the man and the woman with the dog. Oh yeah, the little furry leader dog. What are those names called again? Dachshund. Dachshund. Yeah. Long and Yeah. I felt like, in a sense, having having these subplots in it made the whole machinery thing kind of because you're then watching all of the pieces of the station, kind of, and they find mm-hmm. another piece. You know, they like they find something yeah. by the end, mm-hmm. and it was just so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> a very well thought out addition, I thought. Yeah, it was really good. that was it. Was like a, just a perfect example. Sorry, excuse me. A perfect example of the just never give up, no matter how many try times you fail, never give up. Because at one point you're gonna succeed. It's true. Because yeah. he had well, like with the station manager with the his leg, but the guy and the dog. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. He wanted to get to know that woman so much, and her little dog just would not let him. I know. But he kept trying. Yep. So adorable. Mm-hmm. And then there was little puppy love. <laughs> yes. uh-huh, puppy love. <laughs> yeah, much better. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for. Just I thought you were. <laughs> My brain couldn't focus on that thought. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those. Okay. I know he was only in it for like two point two seconds, but for some reason Jude Law as a oh, dad yes. just makes me want to hug him. When I Jude Law, sexy. I'm sorry. He sexy. is, even though he cheated on his wife. Although, okay, she here's is the thing kind about him. Please, she. I saw a picture of her, and I was like, why? But that. <laughs> No, because I was, okay, um, in the last episode, I purposely, when we were talking about it, then was like, Jude Law's gonna be his father. <laughs> because I love him. I love him. And I'm the same way, but, like, for some reason, like, this and in, like, The Holiday, when he's playing a dad. <gasps> I know, yeah. I just saw The Holiday yesterday. Yeah. I watched it last night, and I was just like, I just, so I, I think, think he's, he's so sexy when he's a father. And I think it's because you kind of forget that he's this notorious cheater yeah. kind of thing. Like, 
and you forget about that, and he and he is just acting like a father, and you're just like, why are you so sweet? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but him as the father was so good. Oh, I know. Yeah. And the way that they kind of, like, put that in there was yeah. really good, too. Like, kind of Hugo remembering. I loved how it interspersed the Hugo remembering, because it started, like, clicking almost like it was a... A film reel, like whenever they went to any type of flashback. Yeah. Oh, it it kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit. Yeah. That actually helped me understand the story a lot because it gave gave it to you in pieces, so you were able to process it with everything else, and then they give you another little piece, and you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. <clears throat> yeah. So it just added, it added right onto the story. And then, well, and then during that part where they're going back and forth, kind of between Hugo looking at the automaton and. Hugo remembering his father and all that stuff, and Hugo's just getting, like, upset, and he starts crying, because he misses his dad, I'm so sad. (laughs) But but it was done so well, and again, I have to call, like, acting awesome on uh, that kid, because, yeah, yeah, he was really good, and he, he was really good at, like, all levels of sad, like, the kind of, like, actually breaking down, and just the, like, remembering, and just being sad, and, like, slowly Mm -hmm. starting to cry, or just being sad, I don't know, yeah, the, the, the whole realm of that, he just did a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. He Gosh. did devastation really well when he when he opened that when when he gave him that handkerchief. That yeah. devastation. I was just like I, I, I was really well I'm like I too. need to hug you right now. Oh, and you're in 3D. I feel like I can't, but I know I can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he did the two perfect tear thing too. Oh, oh I know. From each eye, just <laughs> that's skill. <laughs> <laughs> that that's like epic fake crying skill. I know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Corey's currently <laughs> laughing at my screensaver that says keep calm and kill zombies. Um, <laughs> a little interspersed. Whatever, yeah. It's a good time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, anything else on just the movie, guys? Um, not really. No. Not that's coming to mind. Mm-hmm. I have one thing. And that was when he leaves the station for the first time. And they immediately kind of go to this kind of scary, like, yeah. place that, um, you know, which... Like the with, demon monks? Yeah, <laughs> really weird. But it's really, like, intimidating as a child and stuff like that. And I I was kind of, like, I was watching it thinking, why does the old man live in a really scary evil monk place? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I'm like, I forget what they reminded me of, but they were really creepy. But... I felt like it really kind of portrayed how, because you don't know what's going on at the time, mm-hmm. really, with with Hugo, and so I feel like, but it made you scared, and he was scared to leave the station, and like, you don't realize that, that he's scared to leave the station yet, because you don't know his story, but, but it kind of was this really great way of, of making you feel the same thing yeah. with the scary monks. How old was he supposed to be in the movie again? 12. So how old was he when his dad died? Did it say? 11 or 12. It had only been like six months, yeah. I think, since oh, okay. his dad died. Yeah, I think I think we're done with just just the movie. You want to um, move on to what was uh, different? Yeah. Alright. So, Jessica, <laughs> anything that was not in there that you can think of that you uh, missed being in there? No? <laughs> you know? Besides, obviously, the character at Etienne? Etienne? I, I don't know. Etienne? Etienne? Maybe. Oh, it's, um, it's apparently the French version of Stephen. I looked it up. Oh, Etienne. I... 
Yeah, there I don't was know how to pronounce his name. Invest. I was even though I hadn't seen him in the credits at all. Like I was still looking out for mm-hmm. him in the movie. In fact, at one point they showed like a, a younger guy playing in the mu- in like musical group. Right. And I was like, maybe they're gonna make him again. Yeah. Even though he doesn't have an eye patch. But yeah. I mean, I think that's the only char- character they left out. But um. Yeah. I I don't feel like I missed missed him like. No. I wanted him to be there super badly, but because uh, I I could see where it was almost unnecessary. I mean, yeah. they the way that they worked around the plot, like it wasn't it was, super necessary for him to be there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was I don't want to say quite a few plot differences, but they definitely like just kind of skipped over things that, and not that it was necessarily a super bad. No. thing or anything, but, like, Hugo's hand getting hurt. Yeah. Um, I noticed that right away because I was thinking, how did he hurt his hand again? Oh, she crunches his fingers, you know, yeah. in the door. And I was like, well, she's not going to do that because they're friends. Yeah, that's true. They really, they that made them... The thing that was different in the movie was that they were friends, whereas in the book, it, it kind of made me laugh a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, this is just like a kid. You know, mm-hmm. like, at that age, there's, like, there's this tension. They're not entirely friends, not entirely, and, you know, it's like they have, yeah. they somewhat resent each other, yet they still rely on it. Yeah. It was, like, they a different relationship. It was really different. I think that's probably the biggest difference that, yeah. that, that really there was, because <clears throat> they really had that kind of, like you said, that, that ten, tenuous, tenuous, whatever, yeah. relationship, whereas, um, in... In the movie, they kind of, they were just really fast friends. Um, with, by necessity, I think, because it's like you said earlier, um, they had to replace the narrator with them actually talking. Right. So, so he was able to tell her things, yeah. and, you know, the audience hears it, and that way you kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I thought that was a really good way to do it, and you felt really, maybe it's because I am not a child, but when I was reading the book, I and they kept getting mad at each other, <laughs> I I was like, really? This you're mad about that? <laughs> really? And I I can't I couldn't quite get into that kid state of mind where I understood why they kept getting mad at each other. Yeah. And so for them to just be friends in the film, I was like, oh, they're so cute, so cute. They're clandestine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I loved Isabel yeah. so much. <laughs> she went. That, I was gonna say that too. She's not. She was not as to use. I think Corey's word precocious <laughs> in the book as she was in the movie. No, she was, that's true. Baby. And she wasn't as into books either, really. I mean, you saw her reading, but it wasn't. She, I thought she was a little more rebellious in the book than she was in the movie, actually, because yeah. in the book, she was the one who snuck them into the theater, and she was the one who was going to take yeah. the box down. And whatnot. I thought I thought Hugo was, even though he was like stealing the toys, and the, I thought he was the good kid out of it. He didn't I agree. He didn't want to have to do any of that and he was kind well, of yeah, you, were, you were able to get into his head in the book where he was thinking like he only stole food when he really needed to and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Same I guess I would mm-hmm. say same thing. Um and with you said her sneaking them into the movies or whatever, whereas in the movie she's <laughs> like, Oh well I'm not allowed to see movies. <laughs> so she yeah. just doesn't <laughs> which yeah, which I think was really funny contrast because because when they're in the bookstore in the movie and he says something about or she offers to get him a book and he says no no that's okay and she's like you do like books don't you <laughs> I love that and then, it was so accusing 
<laughs> like, we are going to end this relationship right now if you don't like books. Yes. <laughs> and then, again, in the movie, when he goes, you've never seen a movie? <laughs> like, how? Yeah. It was it was a little bit less accus- accusing, but Yeah, but she still, was the one who was about yeah. to jump on his throat. <laughs> it. it was really cute. a book right now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really, I don't know, it was really sweet that, that he took her to the movies, too, because there's that moment afterwards when they walk home, yeah. and she goes, thank you, it was a really gift for you for, to see that movie today. And I was like, movies are gifts! <laughs> uh, anyways. <laughs> you know what, whatever, I think whatever was missing from the book in the movie was not something that I really noticed its absence. Yeah, I like, agree. I'm sure I did, I well, I did notice a lot of things, but... I know, I didn't feel like it took away from the story exactly. at all. Um, well, like I said, like, his fingers getting crunched and stuff. In the book, I think it does serve the purpose of being, like, him, of you being able to feel his fear about the station man- manager finding out that, yeah. that his uncle is missing. But you didn't need that, because you can't get inside his head anyway in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so the reason the station master kind of goes inspecting or whatever is... Yeah. The same. Well, actually, they didn't even have him do that, did they? He was just listening to it, and then he got caught. Yep. So, I mean, I mean, they I, had the one moment where, like, the wrench fell. That's true. But, <clears throat> nope, besides that. Yeah, but that was good, too, because that way, that was a good way of being able to see his fear of yeah. the station inspector finding out, and not have to, without having to be inside his head like you are in the book. Yep. So, it was a really good addition, even though it was just, like, one little moment. Mm-hmm. Can't really think of anything else. To be quite, quite honest with you. Nothing that, like I said, nothing that actually like took away from the actual story or our enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. So anything that was either they did well or they improved on. Do you have any? I loved that automaton. Like when it showed, they had the pan up of all the cogs and the gears yes. working together, and then like. The arm clicked into place. I I loved every second of that part. I was thinking actually when we're when you're watching it, when when it actually starts working and all that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking in my head, it's one thing to read a book where you where it says, and and we did talk mm-hmm. about how they described each little joint and how cool it was, but to see it was yes. a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. I was just blown away by how amazing when you see it making just tiny little motions and it almost looked like a real hand the way that it was moving its wrist and I never thought it would look that good yeah it was so it was really well done I thought (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was that was amazing I know what I'm gonna say well but do you have something else okay yeah I was actually gonna say I really liked and we had talked about wondering how they were going to move you know, the words and the pictures of the book into the movie and worry about that. But the opening of the movie where, or where you first see Papa George sitting at the toy booth, you know what? Um, and like, you know, they panned in on it and all of a sudden I saw a glimpse of that picture in the very beginning where like they panned in on his eyes and you saw that he was looking to the side or something. Yeah. And I just saw that glimpse and I, I'm pretty sure I gasped. Like I'm pretty sure I was like, (gasps) Like, I was so excited. That's the picture like, from the book! Oh yeah. So, bravo to the producers of the film, or the director, who or whoever was behind that shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she 
for immediately making Bang a tie between it. Yeah, yeah definitely. It was, I bravo. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I'm gonna say it then. Yeah. Are we ready? Okay. The clockwork in the world. <laughs> the opening. I'm so glad I was I was late in for the movie, and I was I I was so glad I didn't miss that opening. Because uh, they it opens with like all of these gears moving and moving, and then all of a sudden the gears turn into the city of Paris, and like the the there are the streets and the lights and everything. And I think I gasped at that part <laughs> because I was so happy. Um, because you know from last episode that's that was my favorite theme. It was so beautiful, and they. They did it visually then instead of just using words. Yep. Although, to be fair, <laughs> all of the quotes about it were correct in the movie, which were my yes. favorite quotes. So, oh, so I was so happy about that. And then it did it. It did that later too. Yeah, it, he um, Hugo was telling us about when they were looking out through the window. Right. Like sometimes I come up here. And I imagine that par- like that the city is a machine. Right, which so, is the quote that I love. Yep, yes. Exactly. And then they did it again, the, yep. the like transition. Oh, you man. You see it. It was like that visual masterpiece was really good. It was done. And we already talked about the, the station manager and his leg, but yeah. but just contributing more to that theme. Oh, I was so happy. It was <laughs> really, that was just my favorite um, theme, I think. And then they got they got a lot of the other basically my favorite quotes all of the quotes that I really loved from the book were in there. Yep. So those two, the one with the when the little boy goes to the to the movie set and he says, "This is where your dreams are made." Yeah. Oh, so good. And the ending speech. Those were Which my favorites. I know that you you both I think started crying. Yes. At the end. Yes, we did. I mean, but specifically, you cried at the ending speech because someone happened to call you a wizard. You creepy. No. Hey, up. shut up. No. <laughs> That's why I, I mean I cried when he made the speech in the book though too, because and it it wasn't really the wizard part. It was legitimately and he, the one thing about his ending speech is he didn't quite call them dreamers. He implies it in, in the movie. He implies it, but in the book he literally says, you're all dreamers, and it just, that always yeah. kills me. Anytime kind of something like that gets said, I'm always like, we are dreamers! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but but did it was done really, really well. I agree. Um, as, far as, as far as my favorite moments... Definitely translated. I have something else. Yeah, no, that was my last point. The favorite <laughs> quotes from the book, they were all there. And they did, I mean, I didn't really, like, write this down, but as far as the movies and dreams theme, they definitely got that down, too. Yep. Um, I give it five out of five stars. That's my rating. Wow. For book, from book to movie adaptation. adaptation. It was really well done. Yes. Which, oh, I mean, we. I mean, I'm always skeptical, and so I'm so shocked in a sense like <laughs> that it was so well done and that it translated so well and that they did such a good job just because you kind of go in with like that tension in your body like kind of is this gonna be okay <laughs> i loved this book i quite agree i quite agree yeah. with that assessment it was an amazing transition i think we've talked that out yeah, yeah. I think so I don't have anything else to say about that because it was just that good. And unfortunately, I have nothing to say. Yeah, it's okay. I'm so- you're just, 
You're just going to have to go and read the book now. Yeah. 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 And you can borrow it, my copy. We'll literally <laughs> take well, you back <clears throat> to I do have to read Rebecca. I actually have to buy Rebecca. Mm, yes. So maybe afterwards. Okay. I'm going to wait until right before class. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, um, as far as... I mean, we kind of already passed this part, but as far as a movie in general, like, rating-wise, what what would you say? I mean, I'd give it a solid four. Just, I mean, just because, I mean, going in not knowing what was going on, the first few minutes of the movie almost put me off. Because mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, why the hell is he in a freaking train station? Really? Yeah. So no, that, that, that took me a little while to get through. But after that, it was really, it really great. It moved really quickly and you understood things. Mm-hmm. But that, that, the opening was a little bit of a put off. Or it could have just been that whole yeah. adjusting to 3D thing as well. No, I think that that's, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's really fair. Uh, and yeah. still a really good rating. So, yeah. 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 so that that so that should say something about about the movie, though. I mean, if you mm-hmm. still had that at the beginning, but you still end up loving it, that's, oh, that's yeah. a good thing. Because I mean, you know, I I don't cry happy tears at movies. Like I've never cried a happy tear at a movie. But when like at the, at the end, when all of that came together for him, I was mm-hmm. just like, oh. I was like, I felt so happy for him, mm-hmm. and so like, I mean, that's life's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to have that all just go away, I couldn't even Everybody, imagine that. Yeah, everybody, I think, really. Yeah. Um, be- and the and as far as Hugo too, everything coming together, and I think it's even more poignant that they added that speech to the station master when he yeah. had him being like, "No, I have to. This is this is my chance." And and you're like, "Oh God, he's so alone." Yeah. Oh, even when he freaked out about the automaton and he and he was like, "I just thought if I could fix him, I wouldn't be so alone." And I was like, "Let me hug you." Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Solid. Solid A for effort. Yes. In, in terms of reception, when I was buying my ticket, the girl at the counter told me that this was a great movie. So, wow. People who are working at the theaters agree. That's cool. <laughs> Remember five minutes ago when I was like, oh, we have nothing left to say. And then we talked for more. Good times. That's how good it is. Um, exactly. Okay. Well, I guess that's it for Hugo. Um, uh, as far as upcoming book-to-movie adaptations that are um, coming out, um, Michael Morpurgo's War Horse will be out in the U.S. December 25th. And in the UK, January 13th, um, it's a children's novel and also was adapted into a play. And the movie that's coming out is going to be directed by Steven Spielberg. And the cast includes Jeremy Irvine, Emily Watson, Peter Mullen, and David Thewlis. Yes. <laughs> the guy from Harry Potter. <laughs> I can't say his last name ever. I've never been able to. Thewlis. 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 Maybe it's because I'm American. Possibly. Maybe. Um, <laughs> um, also, I always blame everything on the fact that I'm American. So anyway. Everybody does. <laughs> um, also, there's Jonathan Safran Fowers, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close. Um, comes out also December 25th in the U.S. and February 3rd in the U.K. Um, the director is Stephen Daldry. And the cast includes Tom Hanks, Sandra Bullock, Thomas Horn, Max von Sydow, Viola Davis, John Goodman, Jeffrey Wright, and James Gandolfini. I didn't know when to stop with the cast. I just basically <laughs> named them all because I was like, I have to get to James Gandolfini. <laughs> and then I thought for a while about how cool it would be to have Gandalf in your last name. <laughs> 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 but that's 
beside the point. Um, and the last one I wanted to mention is George Moore's Albert, Albert Nobbs, which comes out December 21st in the U.S., um, which it's already is already out. Well, it's already out. Oh, wait, no, it'll be out tomorrow. Tomorrow, but that's a limited release. And then it comes out, like, fully, I guess, everywhere, January 27th, but that's also in the U.S. I could not find a U.K. release date. Um, it's a short story by George Moore, and I think we are possibly going to do an adaptation on it, um, but I couldn't find a U.K. release date. So, um, but I'd like to do it. So whenever it pops up on Odeon's website, you'll go see it. Yeah, exactly. And it's a short story, so I figure, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, the movie's going to be directed by Rodrigo Garcia, and the cast includes Glenn Close, Mia Wazakowska. Oh, Chick from Alice in Wonderland. Yes, the Chick from Alice in Wonderland. (laughs) Jonathan Reese Myers and Brandon Gleason. Oh, Damn. Okay, why do I know the name Brendan Gleeson? <laughs> He's mad I'm moody. Oh! That's right! <laughs> Wait, why do I know Jonathan Re- Wait, how oh, I know Jonathan <laughs> Yes, you do. Yes, I yes, do. Okay, hold on. I had to think about that. On that cast list. Yes, yeah, I do. That's a decent cast it's list. It's really good. There are other pe- uh, people, I think, too, but I couldn't, but I just didn't put them, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Anyways, um, Sorry, so no, those, no, are the, uh, those are the ones that are coming out soon. Um, on the next episode of Adaptation, we'll be talking about the girl with the dragon tattoo, um, and that's probably going to be recorded sometime either the end, the last week of the year or the first week of the year, because that's when Jess and I will be in the same country. <laughs> Lots of traveling, yes. traveling for the, the holidays. Um, anyways, uh, you can find us at Adaptation Podcast dot blogspot.com and like us on Facebook if you just search Adaptation Podcast. And um, that is it for this episode. Oh. So, alright. Bye. 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 Peace out.